Hey leaders, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a free event that I'm hosting, your personal leadership audit live workshop. I've put the workshop together because if you want to stand out as an exceptional leader, you have to know yourself inside and out. Understanding your strengths and weaknesses is critical. And for that, you need a high degree of self-awareness and a commitment to self-reflection. Now, if you're committed to unlocking your leadership potential, then working through a self-assessment like this is going to help you to quickly identify a path to higher impact. I'll be leading you through a deep dive into the seven imperatives of my No Bullshit Leadership Framework, so that by the end of the session, you'll know exactly what areas you need to develop if you really want to stand out from the crowd. We're only opening up 150 spots, so register now at yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. That's yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more. Access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 216 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, High Impact Decisions, Getting It Right When It Counts. Now, decision-making is a key part of leadership, your ability to make high-impact decisions quickly, under pressure, and in a complex and uncertain environment is a core capability for senior leaders. If you want to reach the height of your career aspirations, it's something you need to develop as early as possible. We make decisions constantly, some big, some small, 
but all relatively important over time because they have a cumulative effect. But high-impact decisions are a little different. They're the ones that can mean the difference between life and death, or company dominance and complete collapse. Now, I came across an article in Fast Company a little while ago entitled, Three Steps Navy Seals Use to Make Decisions. Nice clickbaity title, right? (laughs) My decision-making framework in No Bullshit Leadership has eight criteria, so I was understandably keen to work out what I'd included that was superfluous. Making better decisions faster can make a huge difference to culture, and it can make a huge difference to how your company performs. So it's really worth making sure your high-impact decisions are as good as they possibly can be. Now I'm going to start today by looking at why decision-making is key to superior performance in both business and life. I'll then look at the anatomy of high-impact decisions, and I'll finish with my seven hot tips for making high-impact decisions. So let's get into it. We make decisions every day. A lot of decisions. Now, one often quoted piece of research says we make 35,000 decisions every day. Look, I don't know about you, but I find that number astronomically stupid. It implies that we make a decision roughly every two seconds on average. Now, I must confess, I haven't read that research. But surely it must take into account all of the subconscious decisions that we make. So, for example... I'm making a decision to breathe in now. (laughs) So, let's just say for argument's sake that we only make a few hundred decisions each day. We don't think a lot about the majority of them. Most of them we make on autopilot. So how do we make them if we don't think too much about them? Well, habit, inbuilt bias, fear, avoidance, impulse. We basically use our pre-programming. Now, the brain has a lot to manage, so it seeks efficiency. It wants to conserve energy so that it only has to engage on the really critical decisions. It loves to operate in set-and-forget mode. But of all the conscious decisions we make, I believe that a surprisingly high proportion of them do actually matter. The cumulative effect of every decision we make leads us to where we are, in business and in life. Now, I reckon that until you're at the age of 30, you get a free pass. When you're young, your brain isn't fully formed. And for males, that doesn't happen until around the mid-twenties. In my twenties, when I look back, I was just bouncing off walls. I didn't really have much of a clue about what was going on. But by the time you get to 30, wherever you are in life, it's for one reason and one reason only. Because that's where you've put yourself. Look, I know that's not a particularly popular philosophy. Being a victim has become part of the social narrative that the vast majority of people buy into. I would if I could, but I can't because of X. So just insert your favourite limiting belief here. The problem with this mindset is that it holds you back. It validates your current circumstances, and it stops you from making different decisions. And unfortunately, you're not hurting anyone but yourself. Every day, You make countless decisions that either keep you on your current trajectory or change it. Now, we all get equal measures of good and bad luck. Just look at anyone who's successful at anything and know that it's not luck. It's work, risk, sacrifice, choice, discipline, struggle. And this comes down to the countless micro-decisions that we make every day. For example... Do I get out of bed when the alarm goes off, or do I hit the snooze button again? Do I order the salad, 
or the double bacon cheeseburger for lunch? Do I have the difficult conversation I know I need to have with my direct report, or do I avoid it? Do I make the decision that I know is right, or do I follow the path of least resistance? Now, in business, our decisions tend to be more conscious and explicit, but they still suffer from the same underlying biases. Many of these decisions are fairly routine, but as you move higher up in any organisation, a couple of interesting things happen. The first is that every decision you make has far greater impact on the business and on the people around you. And the second is that these decisions involve much greater levels of complexity and ambiguity. Given this context, I have a really strong belief that being a capable and confident decision maker is a core capability if you want to be a great leader. Your decisions most often result in action, and action results in energy being spent on something. So making sure it's the right something is key. Obviously, it's important that we understand how all the little choices we make add up to potentially significant consequences. But in reality, there are big decisions and there are small decisions. So we're just going to focus now on the high-impact decisions, the ones that really test you, the ones that scare you a little, or maybe a lot, and the ones that you know can potentially have serious consequences if you get them wrong. And look, you don't have to be the CEO of a Fortune 100 company to face these types of decisions. The founder of any small business has to make decisions every day. And many of these can potentially make or break a business. Decisions about products, uh, markets, pricing, quality, uh, staffing. And look, many of these have to be made virtually blind with little data or market intelligence. Depending on your role and level, you'll have varying exposures to high-impact decisions. Any decision can be challenging because we don't want to get it wrong. We don't want to upset the people who don't agree with it and risk not being liked by them. We don't want to be seen to be either too authoritative or too indecisive either. So making a really good decision can be difficult, not just because of the mechanical challenges, but also because of the psychological and emotional barriers that we have. When it comes to high-impact decisions, these factors are exacerbated. And to make matters worse, high-impact decisions very often come with time pressure and limited information. There's one really important factor to bear in mind. Your process for making decisions has to be the same, regardless of the decision's potential impact, regardless of the time pressure, regardless of your own comfort levels, and regardless of your desire to have better inputs. You need a solid process to follow. How much time and effort you put into each step of the process will be determined by your assessment of risk. So for example, how critical is the decision? How easy is it to reverse or adjust once it's made? How broadly does it impact on the organisation? How many people are affected? Is it within the company's risk tolerance and appetite? Now, knowing the answers to these questions will inform your judgment about how much time, energy, and diligence to put on each of the decision-making steps. For example, deciding to extend the deadline on a project is generally a much lower-impact decision than a decision to sack the project manager. That requires real judgment, and it requires real commitment. I often used to tell my senior executives to not be so stressed about making their decisions. And I'd routinely say things like, look guys, 
We're not landing space shuttles here. We're not performing cardiothoracic surgery. No one's dying on the table. Just cool your jets. But in some situations, the stakes are actually that high. And in some industries, people do actually die on the table. The article that I mentioned in the introduction gave an overview of how former Navy SEAL commander Mike Hayes makes his decisions. And he was in an environment where making life and death decisions just comes with the territory. But Hayes says he uses the same process in business, and it should be applied regardless of whether the decision is a high-impact one or a routine one. Now, he has a three-step process for making decisions, both big and small. Number one, gather input. Number two, decide when to decide. Number three, be willing to course correct. Now, whereas I suspect this has been grossly oversimplified to comply with the word limit of the article, it's worth taking a look at a few of the concepts here. The first one, gather input. Now, obviously, we need to gather information to make a decision and consult with other people. But interestingly, Hayes points out the value of using your past experience to recognise patterns. This is critical in any decision-making process. No matter how big or small the decision, using your experience and judgement to put it into context is vital. It's my strong view that your abstract reasoning capability, that is, your ability to recognise patterns and absorb complexity, is one of the key things that determines how successful you can be at higher levels. This is a capacity that can be developed, but it's closely related to your intellectual horsepower. People with strong abstract reasoning capability can understand and analyse unfamiliar information to solve new problems. For high-impact decisions, you're normally dealing with high levels of complexity and ambiguity. Now, just be careful of confirmation bias here. When you use your existing frames to look at any information, you may try to shoehorn your problem to make it fit a pattern. As Abraham Maslow said, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. The second point, decide when to decide. Now, this is about having good sense and judgment to work out when you're likely to reach the point of diminishing returns. Clearly, you want to have enough time to gather as much information as possible, and of course, enough time to process it properly. But when is enough data enough? When is enough consultation enough? When is enough analysis enough? Hayes points to the value of speed and the fact that as long as the decision remains unmade, so too does every decision at a lower level that hangs off it. In my experience, speed trumps accuracy every day and twice on Sundays. Hayes' third point, be willing to course correct. Now this one's really important and it's underpinned by the principle of excellence over perfection. Moving forward with purpose, knowing that very few decisions are final and very few outcomes are fatal, will leave the door open to adjust and tweak as you go. Momentum is critical in any business, and knowing that you can decide quickly and adjust as you go is kind of liberating. Having the humility to admit when you're wrong is key, so don't underestimate the power of leaving your ego at the door. I learned a number of years ago how to make high-impact decisions really well, even under intense pressure. In fact, because of my increased focus and diligence at those moments, I often found that these decisions were better than the low-impact ones that I could take my time over. Here are my top seven tips for making high-impact decisions, regardless of which decision-making framework you're using. Tip number one, understand the risk, 
but don't be scared by it. Identifying the risks and accurately assessing their likelihood and consequence is a critical part of making high-impact decisions. This will inform you about where the danger zones are and which areas you need to pay attention to. It also gives you the ability to do sensitivity analysis to test any of the assumptions that underlie your decision. Tip number two, know your worst-case scenario. You'll get a huge amount of confidence from knowing your worst-case scenario. Asking yourself the question, what's the worst that can happen, is actually really useful when you're making high-impact decisions. It'll tell you whether or not a poor decision is tolerable in terms of your business's ability to absorb the downside risk. It'll also help you to apply any risk mitigation measures, and it'll ultimately give you confidence that there's tolerance for a less-than-perfect decision. Otherwise, you can easily disappear down the deep, dark hole of paralysis by analysis. Tip number three, keep speed front of mind. Now, the higher the potential impact of a decision, the more likely we are to procrastinate and avoid it. In some circumstances, we don't control the tempo. The timing may be driven by an external force like uh, the media or a regulator or a major asset failure. But these situations are pretty rare, so it's important that we're constantly mindful of the impact on our team when we delay any decision more than is absolutely necessary. Tip number four, work hard to get the right information. This means working out what data you can get and how quickly you can get it. It means consulting the right people, not just anyone and everyone who has an opinion. Understanding the point of diminishing returns will determine how and when you move forward with a decision. You want sufficient input, but not at the expense of the opportunities that are going to pass you by while you wait for it. Tip number five, look for no regrets moves. Now, there are times when you'll find yourself in a situation that you can't move ahead with the decision. For example, when the downside risk is beyond your company's risk tolerance or a critical external issue needs to be resolved. In times like these, you may choose not to decide straight away until the playing field changes. And in times like these, you need to find ways to keep your people productive on high-value work. No regrets moves are those things that your team can focus on that will deliver high-value outcomes regardless of your eventual decision. Tip number six, communicate well with your stakeholders. Now, when you're dealing with high-impact decisions, you need to pay a lot more attention to keeping your key stakeholders informed. You're not looking for approval or consensus, but you do need to keep everyone on board and give them the confidence that you know what you're doing. Let them know what you're dealing with, why it's hard, and which key risks and impacts you're managing. A dialogue with the right people during the process of making a high-impact decision is likely to smooth the eventual path to acceptance and implementation. And finally, tip number seven, ask yourself what you do if your life depended on it. With high-impact decisions, it's even more likely that you'll try to protect your own personal position. And this is in our nature, right? Putting self-interest aside is extraordinarily difficult. But a little hack to help with this is to ask yourself the question, if my life depended on making the right decision, what would that be? This will help to bring clarity to what's right and help you to look beyond your fear, anxiety and apprehension. Decision-making can be a complex discipline, right? High-impact decisions can put you in a heightened state of anxiety 
and make a decision feel even more difficult than it actually is. But doing a few simple things can help to give you the confidence to move forward with strength and clarity. Your decisions will be better and you'll sleep much more soundly at night as a result. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 216. Thanks so much for joining me. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this episode with another leader who you know is going to benefit from it. I look forward to next week's episode where I'm going to continue my little decision-making series with the episode, Trusting Your Instincts. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader.